On this episode of Dweeb Dive, we're just continuing our dive into episodes four and five of the Witcher series. So without further ado, let's go ahead and batten down those hatches and... What is going on, everybody? It is Austin, a.k.a. Andrew, back on the mic for episode six of Dweeb Dive. <laughs> Connor, man, how are we doing today? So, ah, uh, I love, I love it. I love it. So, when we first started this podcast, we had a friend of the show, Jay Movie, who does fantastic work on his podcast he just reviewed the mad max series of movies in their entirety they're very near and dear to my heart please go check them out anyway he gave us a shout out which was so nice of him but he said every a name besides austin uh in his first couple takes including andrew and then my friend ellie texts me today and she's like, hey, like, I'm listening to The Witcher, the first Witcher episode. Uh, it's, you know, I'm having a good time listening to it. Uh, your co-host, Andrew, seems like a cool guy. <laughs> hey, um, I'm here for it. Uh, big news for Andrew Nation out there. Uh, again, let's, let's go ahead and change the name. The one day before the wedding at the courthouse. Can do it. We'll, we'll go change. with Andrew. <laughs> It's a power name. It is. Um, clearly, it's the move, and I'm I'm doing it for the brand, man. For the pod. For the brand, for the pod. And for Andrew Nation, more yeah. importantly. Andrew Nation, rise up. I will also change my name, Austin. I think Andrew Nation's about to uh, take over. Yes, absolutely. And before we take our dive real fast, wanted to just say... Big milestone for us, 400 uh, downloads across five episodes. So thank you so much for your support. Um, follow us on Twitter at Dweeb Dive, Instagram at Dweeb Dive. There's going to be some awesome content Connor's releasing uh, with little snippets of our episodes. So look forward to that. Facebook page is up at Dweeb Dive. Um, and really just our next step, I think, is write us reviews. Tell us what we can do better. Are we missing anything? Um, is there something that you want to listen to? Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Uh, certainly follow us on all platforms. And I just want to say a big thank you for 400 total downloads because I had no idea. I don't even know if that's good, but it's exciting. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Connor, before we take our dive, anything to add? Um, I'm astounded that more than one person listens to our podcast uh, and all the countries and all the, the, the forms of in which people engage with our show, it's completely staggering and, uh, quite frankly, a little bit silly uh, that you would listen to two Asian guys in their mid-20s talk about uh, nerdy stuff. So <laughs> thank, you. thank you for indulging in our deepest fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. So, so we're jumping right back in episodes four and five of The Witcher. And, Connor, this is where it gets pretty confusing uh, we alluded to it mm -hmm. earlier in our witcher dives about how the time space continuum if you will just gets really crazy and <laughs> this is where it happens right here uh, yep. episode four of banquets bastards and burials 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 oh, no this could not be how we start <laughs> burials burials isn't that what I said? Burials. <laughs> I mean, oh, shit, I fucked it up. Burials. Too. <laughs> yeah, wait. 
Yeah, dude, it's harder than you think. I said it like a 65-year-old Jewish woman from the Bronx. Burials! Hey. <laughs> burials. 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 Banquets, bastards, and burials. Wonderful. Got Did it. Did we get it? Yeah. Did we got it? But we yeah, got if it? you weren't confused English. already... Yeah, if you weren't confused already by King Foltest being both an old man and a young child, you probably got very confused in this episode. I'm literally so confused that I can't even pronounce a normal word of the English. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't even finish this. No. Uh oh. Oh boy. Cursed episode. Okay, let's. Uh... It's not. It's it's not cursed. It's not cursed. It's, it's not just cursed. confusing. There you go. So. We're we're gonna jump right in because it, it doesn't get confusing until it gets confusing. So there you go. Right, um, that wasn't confusing at all. What you just said. Okay, let's go. Let's start it. Go, I'm, go, 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 go. I am cryptic. Uh, so we're back with Siri in the woods. Remember, she heard some voices and her uh, boy toy elf. Um, his name escapes me because all I can think of is Rat Boy because I'm Dara. a bad person. It's Dara, 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 the Rat Boy. Uh, he got yeah. zapped by an arrow, and Siri uh, was lured into this forest. So that's where we're back at, and mm-hmm. she keeps moving deeper and deeper, and the forest goes from frozen tundra, kind of gross, to, okay, what's this? This looks kind of nice. It's luscious. It's green. Golden. It's glowing. Mm. Golden. Uh-huh. Mm, I can't believe it's not butter. Um but she kind of snaps out of it. She snaps out of her trance of the forest essentially calling to her. And she is quite literally surrounded by some Amazonian woman, women, boy, <laughs> Amazonian women with uh, some nasty looking weapons. And she had just no idea what happened, how she got here, yeah. who these people she was are. On Molly. She was completely out of it. Yeah, quite literally on drugs um they take her in they're not very trusting of her she's i mean she is a little girl so i don't know about all this harsh killer if she runs talk Mm -hmm. but that's what the that's what's said and siri does lie she's kind of being introduced saying hey who are you what are you doing here and she says her name's fiona so remember that time we compared Shrek and Donkey to Yaskier and <laughs> and Yaskier and uh, Geralt. Well, guess what? Geralt is looking for Fiona, aka Siri. Dude, it, it, this is Shrek, dude. We're literally reviewing dude, Shrek. Right I now. hate you've ruined The Witcher for me because all I can think about <laughs> is, is Dandelion being <laughs> voiced by Eddie Murphy. But isn't it funny? Uh, we said Shrek and Donkey, and then Fiona, the princess in Shrek, is the name that Siri chooses. It is. It's no, I. I, I don't even think it's funny. I don't even think it's a coincidence. I think <laughs> I think The Witcher was the founding DNA for the animated series of movies Shrek 1 2 3 4 and 5. And 6? Well, I mean, well, I like 1 and 2 are the only ones that I enjoy. You're a so. Shrek guy, right? I am a Shrek guy. You're a Shrek guy. Big Shrek guy. Big Shrek guy. Okay, <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah, so one and two. Um, but anyway, before we start yeah. reviewing <laughs> Shrek, because I could probably just do it. Um, essentially, we find out that Siri is in the Brokilon Forest. Uh, one, I think it's it. Connor, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the original points of magic in the world before it became controlled. I know we learned that a little bit later, but I just want to get that straight. Is that right? 
Yes, uh, Brokilon is home to pretty wild and raw magic. Uh, we'll see a little. We'll see an expression of that later in the episode with the waters of Brokilon. But yeah, this is a place that has been touched more directly by magic, and thus its denizens, these uh, these Amazonian women, as you said, uh, they're a bit more akin to magic than elves in elven kind other places in this world. Um, before we go on, though. You had mentioned that they seemed a little brutal for finding little Siri and being like, if she runs, kill her. So I got to point this out. Um, I got to point out what the book says and kind of how the book introduces, and I'll just say it now, the dryads. That's what these women are called. They're called the dryads. So in the books, Brokilon Forest is the first place where Geralt and Siri meet. Um... Geralt meets Siri for the first time in Brokilon. Uh Geralt was there because he was there to deliver a message from a king uh, to the queen of the Dryads, who we'll get into later. So that's why he was there. Siri, she was not lost in running away after the fall of Sintra. In the books, she is lost in running away after a proposed marriage kind of fell through, and she's trying to escape that. Here's what's really gross about that. In the books, Siri is about half of the age that she's portrayed in the Netflix series. I would say she's about 12, 13 in the Netflix series. She's about six or seven in the books. And unfortunately, that is kind of how arranged marriages tended to work out. They were put together, they were matched and paired pretty young in the medieval era. So she's running away. She hates it. Um, the way Geralt kind of knows that he's in the Brokilon Forest area is he discovers the corpse of a boy pierced with arrows through his eye sockets. Ooh. That is how the Dryads are truly introduced in the books. So it's not that they shoot warning shots, really. They do shoot... They, okay, that's not true. They do shoot one warning shot. That's all you're promised. But as Geralt finds the boy, he realizes... He kind of does a little bit of investigation. He's like, the boy must have gotten scared by the warning arrow. Didn't know which way he was running. And he actually ran further into the Brokilon territory and got shot a million times in the face. So it this must is, be like a Witcher a theme of of getting yeah. shot. Sorry to cut you off there, but uh, <laughs> I just noticed it's like a Witcher theme to get shot in the face with arrows. So it's like a big it deal. Is. But anyway, it continue. Is. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. for uh, no, interjecting right there. You're absolutely right, and that that could honestly be seen as uh, staying true to the spirit of the Witcher by uh, keeping so many arrow deaths in the show. But so th- it immediately sets a, a bit of a different stage for the Dryads. So when I so I know that you said, "Oh man, that seems like kind of brutal that they're talking to Siri that way." I'm like, "Oh, these are like very kind and nice Dryads compared to the books." Well, this is super interesting because one warning shot, and then that boy gets. I mean, essentially shot in the eyeballs and face and whatnot. And in the series that we're watching right now, he just takes one into the shoulder when I think we can clearly know that if they wanted a kill shot, they could absolutely get one from that range. So interesting that they change it up a little bit, um, yep. whether you know whether or not it's it's more of a a uh what's what's special effects thing or not but uh it is interesting how how different it is especially with the meeting of siri and Geralt, who where we haven't even gotten to that point yet so um a little different path but uh i I guess we get to the same destination um right but you know 
Uh, speaking of our fun heroes, Geralt and Yaskir, we're actually in a tavern and a plump, dirty old man is telling a story to the entire tavern about Geralt, the white uh, wolf, battling a creature in the frozen lake. What uh, The creature, Connor, do you by chance remember what it was called? I can't remember. Um, man, you know, I just rewatched it too, and I don't remember him mentioning the actual name of... I just remember how the story ends, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't remember him actually saying, did he say a specific name of a monster? Yes, I, the, the old man did, um, and it's, uh, oh gosh, because they, they make multiple mentions of it, but I, I digress. So essentially, the old man's telling a story. He was there when Geralt was taking on this monster, and it's very dramatic, and he's giving all these details, and the thing that I love is... Yaskier sitting next to him and he's like oh this is wonderful content Geralt never goes into this much detail yeah. it essentially interrupts the dramatic story and then the old man finishes it by saying and the witcher dies and Yaskier media is like yeah uh, no he's fine no he's okay and uh, the, the old man insists no he's dead I saw it he got swallowed whole and lo and behold Geralt comes walking into the door just covered in blood and guts yep. And Nasty. in his classic self, he's like, I had to get it from the inside. <laughs> like it was planned to be eaten uh, and get paid. So just, I just love the dynamic of Yaskir and Geralt. It's just one of my favorite character duos of all time, much like Shrek and Donkey. Um, and of course, right when Geralt, essentially states yeah the monster's dead i killed it i'm covered in its guts yaskir jumps up and immediately starts singing toss a coin to your the witcher banger. a friend of humanity which very beautiful I absolutely the, well sung oh thank mm. you thank you gorgeous um and so we get the song and Geralt continues into the tavern and just again the dynamic of these two yaskir's talk trying to talk to him and Geralt is a just big time ignoring him. He takes a swig of this ale and immediately spits it out because apparently it's trash, yeah. which I think for a witcher to do that, it must be absolutely terrible because I feel like, like he would literal literally drink juice. anything. Yeah, he would literally drink anything. And the fact that he spit that out after the day he's had, you know, the beer sucks when you get eaten by a monster, you smell like shit, and then you spit your beer out. That's how bad that is. So... Shame on you, Tavern of Random Frozen Lake Town. Shame on you. But essentially, Geralt gets into the bathtub, and it's not the bathtub scene that's truly the iconic one that we've all come to know and love because Henry <laughs> Cable doesn't really move that much in this scene. Right. But it's like uh it's like the appetizer to the entree. So we get a little we get a little bit of this going on. Uh, and quite literally, he is covered in shit, so he's got to clean himself off. Um, Love it. And essentially, Yaskir has to go to Sintra, and he's explaining to Geralt how he really needs him for some protection because he may have been sleeping around with the ladies up there, and some of the lords probably want him dead. 
that's of course that's the dandelion that I know. That's where I was like, okay, good. He's he's still a. Uh, he still gets around with with the old ladies. That that made me very happy. I also love Austin that he's just in there with Geralt while he's like taking a bath. I love I love that. Just <laughs> they're all like well, only one episode's gone by and they're already saying how close they are. Like, they, or well, rather, remember how close... too, um, uh, Geralt or Yaskier's talking to him about being friends and you know friends protecting each other, and Geralt's like, "You're not my friend." And he asks you, like, oh, do you just let random strangers wipe uh, whatever? It's like that ointment or cream on his ass. Because he says that. He's like, you just let a, oh, so I'm not your friend. So you just let a random stranger wipe your ass with all this, you know, cream, this ointment. Right. And it's kind of like a, a good point. So they they Would are, you? not only is he in there naked with Geralt, he applied some ointment to Geralt's ass. So Bro, they, they are big time I... friends. If you if I had if I stumbled into your door right now all sliced up from fighting a werewolf and I was like, dude, you gotta really put a lot of cream on my ass. Would you? <laughs> this is a true test. Uh, yes, I would. I would just prefer if you called it ointment. If that's <laughs> right, okay. Dude. Well, let it be known that uh, Andrew Stoll would cream my ass if uh, <laughs> if I asked him to. <laughs> Yeah, good, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, well, oh, I was gonna boy. say, I was gonna say something about uh, this scene. Um, oh yeah, so you mentioned. Yeah, I also wish that they kind of did the fatal instinct, like leg thing in the tub with Geralt, just because it's so. I don't know. It would have really appeased a lot of people, I think. Uh, but the tub scene is enough to kind of, I think, appease the video game crowd, since that's such a big part of the games is those iconic tub scenes. So I, I'm, I'm happy that they even had a scene at all. And that it was kind of central to this dialogue is that he's in the tub, but yeah, all, all, all good so far, all good so far in the episode. Well, remember this is just the appetizer tub scene. The entree's coming. We haven't even gotten to the main course yet. So oh, stay you're tuned. Right. You're right. I guess I didn't consider that really a true tub, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Okay, go, go, go. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a very rich tub, but uh, before rich. we we move on to Yennefer, essentially the the thing that I like the most with Yaskier and Geralt is Yaskier really understands Geralt in a certain way because Geralt is, or excuse me, Yaskier is saying, Geralt, you need to protect me from these dudes because I slept around with all their women. And Geralt's like, uh, look, I don't get in the petty squabbles of men. And there's a pause, and Yaskier's kind of like looking at him, and he's like, ah, oh, well, actually, you frequently do. And Geralt's like, ah, oh, shit, basically, yeah, you're right, I do. So he agrees to go with him. So, gotcha. exactly. Um, and, and it's funny because, so Geralt gets his, uh, a wardrobe swap. Um, he's like, where are my clothes? And Yaskier's like, well, they were covered in shit, and I can't have you looking like that when we go to Sintra. So he gets dressed up in velvet, uh, looking like a, a real guy's guy. He arrives at the banquet. Yaskier's <laughs> like, uh, like, hey, you know, we're uh, we're not we're on the DL. Nobody knows you. You're just like my bodyguard. Um, and for those that that don't know what's going on, it's a massive marriage feast being thrown for Pavetta, who is Kalinthi's daughter, who we have mm-hmm. not met. 
So this is nope. immediately we get confused because she kind of looks like Siri, but she's not Siri. It's Pavetta. It's Siri's mother. So Siri doesn't exist yet, which means we are somewhere before her existence, even though we were first introduced to the episode with Siri. So digest all of that because I almost confused myself, which is great because that's great. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's it's a it's not. It's just like the initial shock. It's almost like they should have shown those characters sitting in that scene and then been like, pause, think about that for five minutes and then come back. Because once once you really yeah, once you realize that it's a separate timeline, then you're fine. You're fine. But if you have to, like, digest that and then also continue watching, it's yeah, it was pretty confusing. Yeah. And I think even watching it for the second time, it was still kind of confusing. But I think this is actually a really funny episode because we we get all of the, you know, it's a banquet. Geralt's supposed to be on the DL. And immediately when he walks in, <laughs> um, uh, what's his name? Um, Malzak? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, it's Malzak. Malzak yep. is like, Geralt of Rivia, good to see you. Like immediately walking immediately, into this, yeah. this place. And Yaskier's like, great. the plans immediately blown um and that's where we find out that it's a banquet for pavetta marriage suitors from all around you know this could last into the morning and Geralt's like okay well who do you have your money on and uh malzak's got his money on crack the kraken crate i believe crack Um, on crate yes yes crack crack on a crate yes (laughs) good enough (laughs) Essentially, he's got the inside track, and it's already been arranged, as Connor alluded to earlier, that the the wedding has been arranged between Pavetta and Crack on Crate. <laughs> that's fun. Um, and so, essentially, you know, that's that's who it is. And when we get the, the shot of him, it's a rowdy, beer-swinging young lad with red hair from Skellige. Yep. Which is great. And he, I think he's the nephew of... Um, the king iced who's not the king yet what's his iced name again twirsack. i'm sorry iced twirsack iced so iced is from skellige as we know this is before they've been married and we find out that he's asked kalenthi to marry him three times and she said no so tough lady yes doesn't suffer uh, no fools not, well it's funny that you say she's a tough lady doesn't suffer no fools because it's a perfect time for her dramatic entrance. She or entrance. She bursts open to this big, uh, what's the word? Hall entertainment yeah, it's a lounge. Banquet. banquet hall. Banquet sure. hall. Ban- banquet entertainment lounge. She's covered in blood. She's dirty. She's sweaty, and Smiling. she's just. La- yeah, a few upstart townships in the south needed reminding who was queen, and she's like tossing her helmet and her gloves to her soldiers behind her. Everyone's cheering, and uh, we just you know this is Kalenthi. We we kind of knew yeah. who she was, but the early days of her, essentially, um, you know, who she was and where she she you know her personality stems from. We see it right here, independent. Uh, warrior, you know, she is truly the queen of her kingdom, and we we find out that the king had died. Yes. Yes, a player as well, because she recognizes Geralt, um, well, yes, she she recognizes Geralt because uh, 
crack on crate is arguing with another look i think it's a centrin noble because they're both yes. asking for pavetta's hand and they're trying to describe um a manticore and who who actually killed one and Geralt's listening to this like there's no such thing as a manticore um and while these two are arguing Calenthe's like oh Geralt of Rivia why don't you enlighten us to the nobles you know who who really has killed one of these things and Geralt's about to say none of he or well he says none of them uh he's about to say that manticores don't exist and Yaskir's giving him a please don't do this yep. look and he's like perhaps nobles have slain uh subspecies rare subspecies of manticore which i think is just hilarious um and then we yeah. get our whole he's being a homie though. interaction he's being like a homie he was being he was being the homie he he bails he out really, yaskier he's trying well i think it's important to mention i forgot before this interaction with kalenthi while he's talking to Malzak and and talking bets on who's going to win, Yasir gets approached by a fat noble and <laughs> he's uh, say he he's like, "I you look familiar like a guy that ran out of my wife's bedchambers and pull down your pants." Yeah, I didn't see his face, but I saw his pimply ass and I'd recognize it anywhere. <laughs> and Geralt immediately brisks over to Yaskir and before Yaskir has to pull his pants down, Geralt's like, I'm sorry, this happens all the time, but uh, my boy here was kicked in the balls by an ox as a boy. <laughs> and immediately, Yaskier's like, uh, no, yes, I was. That's true. And the guy goes from accusatory to like, gives him oh, man. <laughs> gives him some money, and he's like, here, drink on me, eunuch. <laughs> and I mean, Yaskier's like, oh, homie, great, but, thanks a lot. But really, yeah, Drug him through the mud there a little bit. <laughs> okay, but let's not lie to ourselves because we would definitely do that to each other. I th we already yeah. kind of do. And, in, and that's in, why in I appreciated aspect. that scene quite a bit because I would love the opportunity to uh, publicly spread information about your balls being smashed by a horse. An ox. An ox, but excuse th me. Th that's, that's neither here nor there. So essentially, Geralt's been the homie helping him with the noble, doesn't reveal the manticore secret, and Kalenthi is talking to him and it is essentially Geralt is referencing uh, some other stories about uh, the monsters he's slain. Um, and there's mention of the slaughter of the elves on the outer. I don't know if outer rims, the right word I've been watching star Wars and that's what they call it. Uh, the outer territories where he was captured and he, he tells the truth and the nobles are like, wait, that's not the, in the song. Um, which goes to show Yaskir is doing a good job as a bard, but Geralt's mm -hmm. like, you know, I was lucky. You know, I got my ass kicked. Uh, I was tied up and, um, essentially, uh, I was lucky. They let me go and I lived and, uh, and everyone's like, um, what's, what's his name again? The future King of Sintra? Iced. 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 He's like, oh, if it was you, Queen Kalenthi, you would have cut his throat versus the other way around. And ah! Geralt's like, Geralt's essentially no, like, well, look, look, everyone, if, uh, you know, the, the last thing I can wish is I didn't shit myself at the face of death. And uh, the last thing I can hope for is neither of you have a shitless death. 
but I doubt it. Which is just, and then Calanthe's like, "I like you, Geralt. You're gonna, you get to sit next to me during dinner." Yeah. Somehow, somehow, she, him being like, "Yeah, I almost shat myself." She's like, "This guy's really got game." Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nothing, impressed. Nothing he turns a lady did. on. <laughs> nothing turns a lady on like bragging about how you don't poop yourself. <laughs> well, Pretty I mean, I guess when you think about it, you you think about it, it's like, well. He was certainly about to die, and then he... I mean, obviously, he didn't, but uh, he didn't shit himself, and I think he essentially alludes that probably everybody else would. So maybe it's the simple fact that he almost shit himself versus actually that that little adverb, I guess. Yeah. I think it's more the honesty, the brutal honesty in denouncing... Because he could have taken credit for that and, you know, people could have bought him drinks all night long and raised them on their shoulders. He had no reason to tell the truth there, really. Not really. Uh, He was already outed as a witcher, so that was already over for Yaskier's part. So he had no reason to. But he admitted his his fault in front of everybody. And that, I think, is ultimately what, uh, I'll say, attracted Calanthe. I mean, I'm pretty sure she's got the hots for Geralt at this point. Um, but I don't know. Oh, Maybe absolutely. She's just like that. Yeah. I, I no, think she I does. agree. Yeah, yeah. She definitely does because they're sitting together at dinner and they're conversating and Geralt essentially is asking, you know, why do you go out and seek a fight when you could just sit here on the throne? And, you know, Kalenthi responds, there's a simplicity in killing monsters. And, uh, you know, obviously that's what Geralt does for a living. He kills monsters and um, they have, you know, more interaction and essentially oh, yeah. it ends with it ends with Kalenthi saying seems we are quite the pair as she looks at him hungrily, I will say. And uh, Geralt being Geralt responds with a huh. yeah, the ultimate the <laughs> ultimate uh, flirtation line is just mm. <laughs> the Geralt grunt. Yeah. The GG. Works every Geralt time, grunt. baby. Yeah, it does. Um, and so I think this contributes to the confusing part because we're in Sintra pre Siri. Now we're back in Brokalon with Siri. Straight on Siri. Yeah. Yep. Like we, we make this big transition and <laughs> So we meet the leader of the Dryads. They that's when they reveal themselves. Uh, Connor already uh, alluded to that. They're an all-female wood nymph race that can mm-hmm. harness magic. Um, Siri finds Dara, which is great because we all thought he was dead, but he's not. And um, they yank the arrow out and they pour m- magical the water of uh, what is it? The water Brokalon, I think. Yep um and uh dara and it heals him and the leader was saying essentially you know when you drink the water of brokalon if you have ill intentions for this place you'll die like essentially this thing reveals all and Mm. uh you both are gonna drink it you know that is going to happen so we get to a scene where uh Dara and Siri are kind of laying next to each other, waiting for all this to go down. And Dara's like, you told them your name was Fiona, but obviously he knows her name's Siri. And he asks why, and she reveals that she's Princess Siri, granddaughter of Kalenthi, and uh, 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 
not so great. Dara Yikes. gets very angry and saying, your grandmother slaughtered my family. I was the only survivor. The soldiers laughed and enjoyed raping and swinging babies under their legs and smashing them. And like, they really had a good yeah, time brutal. killing his entire family. And Siri just, I literally, Siri says, I don't know what to say. Like she is in shock. She had no idea about this, but, uh, you know, it, it happened to Dara and that, and Dara basically reinforces that he wants to do the water of Brokolon because over time it makes you forget what, what's happened to your past. And he doesn't want to remember right. that. Um, and you know, that's something Siri is essentially having to come to grips with. She's going to forget everything if she, well, she doesn't agree. She has to do this. So, um, that that that's kind of the uh the scene of, of siri and before we can even make any sense of that we're back yeah. in centra dude we're literally well, we're before, back in centra yeah and before we jump back into centra very quickly um so this is uh at this point in the story it's actually not too different from the books in terms of the role that the water of brokolon is playing obviously dara is not part of the books but there is another guy in the books that no Siri that she ends up finding in uh, incarcerated, I'll say, by the Dryads, and he is also getting healed by the Dryads. Uh, so there's, it was interesting that they're still borrowing elements from the book to make it familiar, but they're doing it with a completely different character that has a completely different angle on the whole situation. The guy that Siri finds in the book is a knight that was assigned to protect her. And he had gotten lost on the way to try to find her because she ran away from that marriage. He is not an elf. Uh, he is a human that hates elves. So this it's it's kind of, again, confusing um, as a book reader, but at the same time, quite familiar. Uh, what's kind of weird, uh, because there's so many parallels between Dara and this other character, uh, the other guy, his name is like Frexinet, I want to say. It's, it's a very weird name. He ends up staying in the forest at the conclusion of the story as their pseudo prisoner because they need him to breed. Oh, so he becomes a breeding stud. This guy. And not, not a bad life is, to live, man. I guess. I guess. Because what's well, that thing? It's that guy thing of like, oh, yeah, like. Uh, just have sex all day, but that would suck. I mean, you're a prisoner. You're being forced to have to have sex and make children for these people. As a, they just need your genetics. Like that's crazy. So, this is getting a little ahead of it, but I just want to talk about it now that we're on the subject. Dar decides to stay with these dryads, and as you know, yes. the dryads are an all-female wood nymph race. He is going to become a stud. Like, that is what his future is. Oh, dude. He doesn't even know. He, he even misses know. out. He misses out big time. Gosh, I feel bad for him knowing what I know now. You his revealing this sucks. just makes me feel sorrow. His Instead of sucks. living it up in the tropics of the Brokolon Forest where you yeah. literally can live forever because of this magic water... And you just sleep with all these hot dryad women all day so they can have babies. But you just got to live the life because you agreed to be there and you're 
you were happy to be there. You're for, gonna forget your past and enjoy life, dude. He he missed out big time. Shame on you, Siri, for stealing this man's life. Wow, I'm <sighs> I am triggered, dude. Ugh, <laughs> I am triggered. Talk about just losing out, man. Ugh, yeah. I'm I'm shooketh it's... right now. Shooketh. Okay. Uh, let's <laughs> let's go back to Sintra. It's it's time. We're back in Sintra. It is the full swing of the wedding proposal banquet, and it's interesting, which is gonna throw everyone off again, because Lord Peregrine of Nilfgaard is making his case for marrying Pavetta. And as we know, the true son of Nilfgaard returned, or whatever, Kay here, um, and Nilfgaard is a powerhouse, quite literally the most powerful nation on the continent. But here in Sintra, this dude gets laughed out of the room because he's like, oh, the, the gem of the north and the south combining, no one would cross us. And Kalendi's like, uh, yeah, actually, Nilfgaard is the shit rag of the South. So, uh, yeah, no, that we're, this is not happening because Nilfgaard is mm, trash. <laughs> but She's it's really on just, Nilfgaard. she flexes on, on him hard. Yeah. Horde. And it's just so weird because the first episode, Nilfgaard literally destroys her. It's so, so dark comedy that, at this point. It's very, it's just dark. It's like the most obvious situational irony of all time. <laughs> she's already dead by their hand, but yet in this scene, she's like, y'all suck. You're losers. Yeah. You smell bad. And you're, wow, what'd she call them? A shit rag? I mean, yes, yikes. quite literally, Nilfgaard, the shit rag of the South. Which, I guess, anatomically speaking, if you went to med school, like we said, <laughs> you should do. <laughs> um, Medical uh, school. Shit rag on it. South, it, it makes sense. Uh, the inferior side of, or the inferior uh, area of the body is the posterior is the side. area of the body. Ayo. Posterior and inferior. So uh, yeah. the lower back side. There you go. If you went to med school, you would have just picked all that up, you would have like got we that. said. So, you would have got that yeah. if you would have followed our instructions. Okay. Yeah, yeah if you're following along. Um, but so back with the wedding thing, um, Kraken Crow is about to make his proposal, which is going to probably end the festivities for the night. But before he gets a chance, we get a armored knight uh fighting his way in he beats up the guard no no, i say beat up he uh neutralizes the guards he doesn't kill them and he essentially comes in to make his proposal to uh for pavetta um and that is i think uh that's it that's where that, um, that scene ends. We're going to cut away, and then we're going to come back to that scene. Yeah, because his helmet doesn't get removed yet, does it? Or does it? Yeah, no, no, no. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen until we come back from the little Unifer part. Okay. So, oh, my gosh. Yes, it's just, more it's confusion. It's all over the place, dude. You're, I mean, we said it at the beginning. It's, it's kind of a crazy episode. It is. So, 
now we're checking in on Yennefer, the beautiful Yennefer. Um, she is supposed to be the most powerful mage to be in a royal court. And she is currently on the road to somewhere. Uh, she looks very bored. And she's riding in a wagon with Queen Kalis of Lyria. Lyria? Lyria. Lyria. Lyria is um, like a disease. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> it oh, I guess if I you went to know, med school, you would like know that. Well, if you went like to med school, you'd be able to tell us whether or not it's a disease. I don't think it is. But Lyria, um, and she's complaining about her life. Uh, essentially she had another daughter for the king. So no male heir. Um, so essentially as a quick side note, uh, if you went to med school, you would know that it's the father's fault, not the mother's fault for producing daughters. Um, and we have a historical parallel here with Henry the eighth who killed wives because they would not bear sons when it was actually his fault in his genetics. So there you go. Medical school lesson in genetics. You're welcome. That was free. Next one will cost you. <laughs> um, that wow! But yeah, essentially, I actually did not know that Austin. That's yeah, that's crazy. You didn't know that? Yeah, 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 dude. Didn't he have like You're six wives that he killed? Or like uh, eight, or seven, five? seven or eight, I believe. Yeah, it was like seven or there's eight. There's like a little, there's a little mnemonic device to remember how they all went. Right? It's like beheaded, died, survived. Beheaded. <laughs> killed survived like two of them survived and the rest died or were killed or something uh, yeah uh, i'm pretty sure he killed most of them i'm gonna look but, that up while you while you talk yeah quite literally his genetics made england separate from the catholic church he was a devout catholic but because he wanted a divorce because he couldn't produce a son they created the church of england so there you go what, really because his bad genetics uh this all happened and england uh became protestant how about that? That that is Ain't... so interesting. I didn't know that you knew so much about Henry VIII of England and the mnemonic device for their fates are as follows: in order: divorced, beheaded, died; divorced, beheaded, survived. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh. It's catchy. It's catchy. It's catchy and true. Also, he yes. looks horrible from his paintings. He looks terrible. Okay, let's go. <laughs> you know, pa- power does wonders for you. Yeah. Um, but we, we get the, I guess the before, uh, before all of the Henry the eighth stuff, um, she's riding back to Lyria, uh, queen Callis's. She's got a new daughter, not a son. And she's complaining to Yennefer about being a fleshy contraption for squeezing out airs, which is really true. Um, sad life. Yeah. Sucks. It, it is. And, Essentially, Yennefer doesn't really respond to that. And the queen's like, we've been riding together for days. Please just speak your mind. And Yennefer just kind of doesn't go off, but drops the hammer saying, um, you know, she was supposed to be the mage, you know, a king's mage, the most powerful one to influence the world. And instead, she's cleaning up stupid political messes and she's a glorified royal arse wiper spent the last three decades cleaning up stupid political messes which um, she just kind of funny. casually slips in the last three uh, decades like whoa that's a lot of time <laughs> if you weren't confused yet then you're probably very confused now which you probably yes. were confused so you're just triple confused 
quite literally triple confused. And if you multiply that by 10, you get three decades. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Wow. Illuminati, dude. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> it's again, Lauren Hisrick, who wrote the show, she said, I wanted to keep time intentionally vague because I wanted the cyclical nature of all their stories to intertwine. And that was the most important part. She said, I wanted it to be sort of a mystery like hunt to figure out what, how the timelines actually match each other. But, again, I respect the uh, attempt. But, man, this is a chronological mess. What a mess. But, uh, yeah. speaking of messes... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, it's funny because Yennefer com- essentially lays out her life problems and the queen, uh, Queen Kalis is like, oh yeah, I've got it way harder. And there's another pause and we get a, essentially a blade through the front of the carriage where the driver would have been. Um, and then you just hear carnage, absolute carnage, blood splattering everywhere. Yennefer look, opens a little peephole and gets covered in blood Jeez. across her face from a splatter um it is carnage city right now and they step out uh the queen steps out with yennefer it's literally i don't even know a good word to describe it crime scene doesn't even do it justice there's quite literally body parts everywhere yeah dude it's it's like a it's like a bomb went off (laughs) that was just filled with tons of shrapnel like and so when this when the scene starts, you're like, okay, this must be an attack. It's bandits. There's like a big battle outside. There's gonna be like a group of guys out there. No, literally just dead bodies. Dead bodies that are chopped up. I mean, it is gruesome. They're a lucky lucky one guy survives, and he's pointing, and we get a look at a pretty sinister looking mage. Um, with his hood up and he's got like a armored up razor claw crab praying mantis monster better myself. So this is a, this was kind of strange. Um, I recognized the creature or I had an idea of what the creature was. So when I went to look it up to confirm what I thought, nobody really had any research on it or was saying anything conclusive or was even mentioning was even attempting to name this monster. They were, they were literally just calling it like a crab critter with razor claws. Um, my initial thought was this must be an Andrega of some kind. The Andrega are an insectoid. It's a family of insectoids, uh, that are present in some of the books and in the games. They, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of different types. They, they range from very small to giant, terrifying mandible wielding uh shell having carapace armor crazy bugs this little guy appears to be an andrega worker notice how i didn't say warrior or like killer it's looks like an andrega worker which if you look at like insect colonies like an ant colony this would be the most basic building block of a colony this is these are the drones that are mass produced. They go around, they build all the burrows, they protect the eggs, that kind of thing. So, of all the different Andrega species that they could have picked to represent like a nasty killer creature, basically the attack dog of this assassin, the fact that they chose the worker was uh was a little interesting. But I mean, 
scary as hell. That thing was probably the most terrifying creature in the entire series, in my opinion. And I mean, you saying that that's just a worker, I, I, I'm a big hell nah on what a warrior looks like. Right. Or, well, you here's know, my theory, uh, Austin. <laughs> here's my theory. Because it has, so it has the hard armored carapace, it's got sharp claws, and although it's small, it's also a drone type of creature. So whatever this assailant mage, this assassin mage, perhaps it's easier to control the whim and the will or maybe just train this more simple version of an Andrega. Because I imagine the warriors and the bigger forms of Andrega have stronger wills and probably harder to tame or control with magic, whatever he's using to you know, work with this creature. So that that's kind of my theory with that, is that he chose one that's more malleable. It's more like a dog than, uh, you know, it's like the difference between trying to train an, a rhino to kill someone versus an attack dog. That makes sense. And the drone right. mentality and, and them, they're kind of programmed to follow a leader. Exactly. That makes sense. That that, that makes a ton of sense. Well, there you but, go. But, uh, um, yeah, this, this thing is very scary. Quite literally ripped up, like, 15 dudes uh, left one alive. We'll call it 14 dudes, and we'll say 15 were on the detachment because, you know, that that's a nice number. Um, so Yennefer, initial shock, uh, opens a portal, and her, the queen, her child, and the lone survivor soldier escape, uh, and they get portaled into a big uh, sand dune desert, essentially. They're, they're on a sand hill, and... Everyone's kind of going like, hey, uh, what in the hell was that? What is going on? Who was that? Um, And uh, essentially, I think this is when Yennefer's like, it looks like the king has had enough of you as his wife for not producing a male heir. And he sent uh, this assassin to kill you a la Henry VIII style a little bit. so we, this is where we get the chasing because you would think you portal out, you're safe, but he portals in with this thing and she has to, Yennefer has to open another portal and as they're running, the soldier slips and <laughs> he gets uh, blades into his face. I thought it was going to go for the chest, you know, nope. aim small, miss small, but nope, right into the face. Yeah. It, it is a Witcher theme. <laughs> you you kill in the face. That is the only thing that's allowed kill in this, in in this the show. Face. Elegantly said. Um, but just yeah. a quick note about the portals. Uh, they did a good job of setting this up earlier in the series uh, about the ability of mages to track other mages' portaling abilities. Uh, if you remember, he had to use the special flower to help uh, Yennefer portal out without being trackable. Um, that is... Uh, indeed in line with the lore set forward by the books using magic especially portals that take a ton of energy it's one of the most difficult forms of magic to perform in this uh, universe anytime something like that happens you leave a you put a signature out there into the world uh so for a portal to be used right next to this enemy mage uh it's conceivable that it would be pretty easy for him seeing as how he seems pretty powerful that he'd be able to follow them in this uh little Tom and Jerry chase uh, through a couple different locations. Well, so that's interesting because not only because I do remember um, them mentioning to say Istrid mentioning that to could track her portal. Yeah. But I, I think 
even more so is the object. There's an object that Yennefer says they're being tracked by. Oh, that's right. Um, so she like rips off her necklace. So we already know that it's trackable. Maybe this this object is enchanted and essentially acts as a homing beacon. So whereas you'd have to search for the signature that's being left behind for a trace, a more immediate trace is like a homing beacon that essentially is flashing where the signature is at, and th- this guy is able to follow it pretty easily. Right. Um, so they get into a town. A raining town. Uh, Yennefer uses magic to slow down the bug creature uh, before it kills her and the queen, and they portal out again. Um, and I think it, it's just interesting. Portaling must be really tollful on the body because the queen throws up, I think, in the town. Yeah. And Yennefer almost throws up when they get to the last spot, which is the uh, it looks like cl- like a barren wasteland, like cliff area. So they portal in there mm-hmm. and. Um, Yennefer is just like, you know, frustrated. The queen's frustrated. She takes off what looks like a, a hair comb that you can put in your hair, takes it off and starts stomping on it. She's really upset and angry at Yennefer. Um, so she blamed, so Yennefer is blamed by, uh, Queen Kalis for what's going on. And so this is, I don't... I don't know, and I just want to make sure. Okay. I don't know if I missed this scene or read it inappropriately, but essentially, Yennefer gets blamed for what's going on. She can't get away from this guy because he portals in right after them. And she sees them, and Yennefer just portals away and doesn't take the queen. She's just gone. Yeah. She just leaves. Is that... I mean, she just did that because... Is this what Taseya was talking about when she let her emotions control her and her feelings got hurt, so she portaled out and left the royalty to essentially be killed? Okay. So you're asking why she did that? Um, That's exactly it. She, if you remember, she was pretty not not chill with this posting uh, that she had. She described it as royal ass-wiping. So she already hates this assignment. Um, she thinks it's below her abilities, and that matters a lot to her that she's doing important work and that she's being recognized and powerful. So that's already a big strike against it. Kalis is boring. She's a she's just an uninteresting travel companion. Uh, Yennefer is completely <laughs> bored by her. And then number three, she's you know Yennefer is doing everything within her power to the point of making herself sick to try to evade and lose this assassin and Kayla still doesn't get it and is blaming her for it. So I get why she left, but I agree. It's pretty brutal, pretty brutal fate to leave, to leave her to. Um, I imagine Yennefer was okay doing that because this posting again, she thought was beneath her. So I guess she didn't, I guess she just didn't think that if she let this, princess die or this queen die that it would really affect her reputation that much because you know i guess word probably wouldn't get out a because she was already trying uh she was already being uh, currently in the process of being assassinated by her husband so i'm sure that would have stayed pretty quiet but whatever the reason is i think yeah it's Jennifer's inability to really control her emotions um 
even still, even after three decades of doing this kind of work, I think she's kind of still got that, you know, chip on her shoulder about how everything kind of turned out in her life. Essentially, the straw that breaks the camel's back, if you will. Yep. Um, and it absolutely sucks for the queen because she's like, look, uh, take the child as a sacrifice, um, trying to save her own life. And the the guy doesn't say a word, but he just, with a quite literally, with a flickerist, look at a flickerist. Look at that flick of the wrist. Just sends this dagger hey. and slices her throat up big time. And she's dead. She she big dead. Yep. Um, at this point, the insectoid is walking up about to just absolutely destroy this poor baby. And before it does, it chops its own head off. And Yennefer has returned, um, presumably for the child, because there was... A little bit of back and forth, if we remember, with the queen about essentially she gave up this ability to have children. And the queen, whether or not she knew it or not, um, what was maybe being passive aggressive, she mentions how her child will love her and look up to her and need her no matter what happens. You know, no matter if she's a daughter or a son, this child will need. Kalis and Yennefer can't have that. And that's what we know she craves more than anything. So maybe she portals back in for the child and protects it because she picks it up, opens another portal. Um, The mage sends a dagger and it hits her as they portal out and they end up on a beach. But uh, I'm assuming all of the portaling is what did the baby in, or I, I don't know if it would have drowned in the water, but it's, I mean, it's, it's dead. Um, it, you yeah. can clearly tell it's deoxygenated. Um, it's not crying anymore. It's blue. Uh, the baby has unfortunately died. Um, and Yennefer tries to revive it to no avail. But uh, she kind of goes, does a little monologue to this baby girl and essentially says, um, you know, count yourself lucky. You've cheated uh, the game and won without even knowing it. Um, mentioning how women are vessels and uh, she would have just been used as such, kind of like what Queen Kayla said. So, yeah, yeah dude, it, it's heavy, man. It, it's heavy, and she buries the, uh, the, the child right there on the beach. So, this is all, everything with Queen Kayla, this entire story uh, is completely invented for the show. And this might be one of my favorite of the of the new inventions, especially in, in Yennefer's case. Uh, this really rounds out how Yennefer feels. In case in case you were wondering about how she felt about trading in her ability to have children for her magical powers and her new appearance, this says it all and in a very entertaining way. Um, this to me is one of the highlights of the show of this of this season in, in terms of writing and the way that this little arc plays out in this episode. I really, I really enjoyed it because it's, it's one thing to just know that about a character, but it's another thing to really get to see it play out in real time and uh, kind of get a couple specific glimpses at Yennefer's worldview uh, again of just about children and about, you know, the role this girl would have played had she grown up in a Royal court and that sort of life. 
Uh, and interestingly, how she did end up really agreeing with Queen Kalis as much as she despised her, uh, that they did kind of agree on that one point. So all in all, a great story. Uh, but there are more stories to wrap up, Austin. We got, uh, we're back in Sintra. We are back in Sintra. So as Connor pointed out, the knight uh, kneels and reveals that he is Lord Urchin of Erlenwald. Yep. Um, and when he says that, Kalenthi is like, why a knight of no renown believes you can come in here and ask my daughter for marriage without removing your helmet? Take it off. And he's like, I can't. I have helmet hair. Uh, very Shrek. That's a Shrek line. There you go. More Shrek. Um, <laughs> no. So he says he can't do it until the sounding of the twelfth bell, and Iced, being Iced, is like bollocks to that. Comes over, and just rips it off, and we see that it is a half man, half hedgehog looking porcupine guy. Sonic movie coming out uh, this month, I think. Right? Yeah, dude. Uh. He must have dyed his hair because he's blue in Sonic, so yeah. good for him. It's a great cross-promotion um, of both shows. <laughs> Geralt's going to be in uh, the new Sonic movie, so look out for him, guys. That's tight. Yeah, that's awesome. Except his name's Gerald, and he, he became more retro. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so Kalenthi, everyone's shocked. Kalenthi is like, Geralt, kill, it! kill this. Burn it! Kill this yeah. thing. And he's like, uh, no, he's not a monster. He's cursed. Um, and she's like, uh, screw you. Everybody kill this thing. Um, so this guy gets charged by the guards. He's actually a pretty good fighter. Um, kills a couple guys, but gets blindsided. And he's about to get taken out with a pike when Geralt comes in. Sing. And just, an, I just, the fight scenes in this series is so awesome but creative he doesn't even block the pike he shears the pike so urchin can use it as a weapon to defend himself which is just absolutely disarmed at some point yeah yeah he the pikeman disarms him and uh yeah i mean it's just uh he just slices this thing um and essentially we find out that the whole reason he's here is he Urchin saved uh, Kalenthi's late husband, King. Uh, was it Ragnar? Is that right? Ragnar. Yeah, Ragnar. Ragnar. Um, mm-hmm. So, in return, he claimed, and this is just something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around: the law of surprise. So that dictates that a man saved by another is expected to offer his savior a boon whose nature is unknown to one or both parties. So essentially, I, I I guess it's it's like crops or maybe real estate, um, or I guess in, in this case it's uh, the firstborn. So the law of surprise it's complicated, yeah. and again alluding to a conversation before we got here of men and their traditions, because the whole banquet is because of men and traditions. Um, so right. essentially it, it uh, it's an interesting part that's injected in and it, it ties back into that conversation Geralt had with Kalenthi. Um, but uh, essentially upon hearing that it's the law of surprise that's being claimed, Iced straight up punches out two guys and 
he is a i mean kind of like a, a norwegian uh you know they've been very strict and adhere to tradition He's like deep respect for the law of surprise. He's like, oh, this is law of surprise. If anybody kills those two, uh, actually, I'm going to kill you. And the fight breaks out and continues. It gets um, it's a crazy. It's a it's a lunchroom brawl at this point. Uh, yeah, so it, it's so awesome to expand on the law of surprise. Another way it's said is uh, you get to take uh, so from the person you save, you get to take what they have at home but do not expect. So the way that plays out is, again, most of the time, uh, in this medieval sort of lore, it's it's very old school, the man is out either fighting or he's out on his, he's a merchant, he's traveling, he's on a job, he's away from home for whatever reason. He gets saved. If the law of surprise is invoked, as soon as he returns to his home, if there is something new in his possession it belongs to his savior that is the whole law of surprise in most cases this is a this is a child um this is a child that he did not know he had uh that is typically in the case of people who are away from home at like war so they're gone for months or years and they don't realize they had a kid um but yeah this could be anything i mean this could be his whoever's at home found something in the field and they brought it in and they're like, Hey, look at this. That could be the last surprise. So, um, it really, it really relies on a certain sort of essential, like destiny based magic to make the law of surprise, like worth it. Cause if it was, if it took place in the real world, that law could be just circumvented so easily. Like, okay. <laughs> I collect like, trash like when i get home, like you know like there's just garbage in my house <laughs> that i don't realize i have and like okay well uh there you go there's your lost surprise <laughs> there's a <laughs> there's a dead rat in my uh <laughs> in my cabinet so there you go buddy so this very much relies on on the idea of destiny and and that's and that's i think why someone like iced would be like <gasps> because law surprise was invoked like this is a very important thing um and it makes sense why Calanthe, it's not just that this guy is hideous and she's like, yo, you're gross. Get away from my daughter. It's it's more she is wary of the traditions of men and the fact that this particular tradition is the law of surprise really, uh, as much as she'll try to play it down, it really scares her because in some way, everybody here, even Geralt, they know that destiny, it's a thing. It's a thing in their magical world. Destiny is a thing. As much as they and, want to downplay it, yeah, and you can't and you can't deny destiny. And it's essentially the fighting ceases. Um, Kalenthi gets everybody to stop, and it seems like she's going to relent because uh, we find out that uh, they have met before secretly. They formed a bond. Um, apparently, he wasn't cursed when they met the first time, or, or maybe he was. But uh, essentially, they they've met and uh, not Pavetta. Kalenti uh, is very mad at her late husband for for this, and um, Pavetta says, "This is who I'm gonna marry." And Kalenti, um, it looks like she relents. She hands over her sword to Ice, who insists that you gotta honor destiny yeah. um, or risk unleashing its wrath upon everybody. Um, so she approaches Urchin. She puts her hand on his 
and whispers in his ear, you know, here is your destiny. But instead of his daughter, she pulls out a dagger and is about to stab this dude in the throat. And this is when it gets crazy because before she can stab him, Pavetta screams and everyone just gets blasted backward. The lights go out. I guess the lights, the candles get blown out. The windows shatter. Winds howling. It's like a tornado going on in the Great Hall here. And uh, essentially, Geralt and Malzak stop this. Geralt tries to break yeah, through the only and shoot. Yeah, shoot an Ard, I believe, at uh, Pavetta. Can't get it the first time. Not strong enough um, because of the the raw magic that's being used. But uh, he takes a potion and is able to break through. I don't know if it's also because Malzak helps him or not, but he breaks through. He hits Pavetta with the Ard and breaks the the bond of the two Trance, lovers, essentially. Yeah. Um, and everything stops. And this is when Ice is basically like, uh, I told Don't you go. so. You know, yep. <laughs> do, you, do you believe in destiny now, bitch? Like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I still, I, I mean, I still want to... I still want that booty though. Like, what? Like, what are you doing later? Hit me up on a scroll because right, they... they don't have texting <laughs> or anything. But <laughs> like, yo, scroll me later, girl. Send me a yeah, sketch. <laughs> Send sketches, dude. Yeah, dude. Um. So after she gets that, she Kalenti gets up. She's like, "Oh, I thought your grandmother's gift skipped you, as it did me." Right. So this is apparently a, a familial thing Bloodline. that that goes okay. on. Um. And because after, so after all of that, the law of surprise is honored. Pavetta and, and Urchin are married. Um, Kalenthi weds the couple, and he transforms back into to a hottie. Uh, yeah, he looks pretty cute. Pretty cute and guy. And is like, Geralt, you need to be rewarded. He's like, Nah, I'm good. You know, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm out. Thanks for the party. Um. But uh, then Urchin is like, look, Geralt, you need, you know, I need to repay you for saving my life. Um, And Geralt's like, I want nothing. You seem like a good boy. Let's call her square. And he's like, no, I insist. I can't start a new life with this debt over my head. And uh, essentially, Geralt's like, okay, he relents. And again, I think, it's really tough yeah. to nail all the key points that happen, but so destiny is something that is believed in. Kalenti doesn't believe in it, but neither does Geralt. Geralt is a very against destiny. Um, and he doesn't believe in it. He essentially says it, it, it's for everyone else to believe in, but it's not for me. I'm not afraid of it. So it, it's important yeah. to, to note that. So he's like, I don't want anything. But uh, he's pushed, so he's like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll do the same thing as as you did. The law of surprise. And Kalenti's like, oh, hell no, you can't. And Geralt's like, what? I, you just, uh, I, I won't come back here. Um, if you Latin, the next time I'm in here in your country, it'll be to kill a true monster. Just give me random crops or something when I'm back. But of course, as soon as he says that, Pavetta throws up and everyone's like, ah, shit. She's pregnant. And 
there's just this bit. I love it. There's this big pause, and Geralt's like, fuck. In his classic <laughs> Geralt, Geralt ways, oh, he's like, no. oh, no. And I guess there's no take backs in the law no of surprise he, he can't be like i'm just kidding I, I, i'm just kidding just give me gold he should have wore a destiny condom dude <laughs> he should have man because essentially i guess you're right connor because because of this unknown surprise child he is now tied to her because of his claim and so malzak is trying to convince him to stay but Garrett continues to spit in destiny face calling it horse shit um and even Despite though malzak's like you're gonna have a close happened. bond yeah. yeah, literally what just happened, he's like, nah, it's horse shit. I'll take my chances. Um, I, so, I was expecting Ice to just be like, am I a joke to you? <laughs> you see what just <laughs> happened? But, uh, Side note, uh, that's when quick... Ice and Kalenthi get married as well. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he pulls a fast one on Kalenthi or not, but or not a fast one, but a power move, because Kalenthi's like, okay, these two are going to get married, and then Ice is like, and actually we are too, just for the record. Skellige. Oh, the, yeah, the fact that he announces Skellige. it publicly in front of everybody else. Yeah, I think that was, I think that was a slight power move. But I mean, obviously, Kalinthi's not the type to be like politically pressured in any way, really. Uh, but and she I, likes I this she, guy. I, she does. She does. One thing I want to say that I just thought of: she's pregnant. Is that a pure child of destiny, or is that because she had sex with a porcupine man? Oh boy! Um, I think it's option number two. I'm <laughs> yeah, because well, it's option number two, but all, maybe Destiny is pulling the strings already. So right, it's quote unquote Destiny's child, but it's the porcupine <laughs> no. and Pavetta. <laughs> Are you serious, dude? Yeah, dude. For Shrek, I was now Destiny's child. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Wow, you're, dude, you're welcome. I'm having. I'm, I'm having, the This man. is the trippiest episode we've ever done. Um, dude, I'm the man. <laughs> you are. You you are making everything so clear by basically stripping down and ruining the integrity of the show by comparing it to media that's not related to it at all. It's actually uncanny your ability to do that, and I resent you for it. Uh, so basically, she had sex with Sonic. She was the first person to do. Uh, to do weird sex stuff with furries. Isn't that against the law? Anyway. Do you know what furries are? Wait, wait, hold. This is very important. Do you know what furries are? Uh, F-U-R-R-I-E-S? You don't. No? You don't? <gasps> I'm assuming something like furry? Like like animal fur? Oh. my, Ladies and gentlemen, this is a coachable moment here on the dweeb dive podcast on the andrew nation podcast furries are uh, a sect of people that are they're connected by the idea that they are not humans they are animals at heart and most people who call themselves furries this is not a fantasy thing by the way these are this is real people they take that to the next level by wearing suits that are kind of cartoonish uh, visages of like a fox or a wolf or a cat and these suits can go up in the thousands of thousands of dollars to make uh, but basically they choose to live their life uh, basically identifying as a as an animal 
Um, which in itself maybe sounds kind of innocent, whatever, who cares? Uh, but it almost always is accompanied by weird, uh, sexual undertones, uh, honestly, overtones. They're, they're a very openly sexual community. Uh, and I feel like perhaps I've ruined, uh, life for you now. I don't know how or why we got here, but I'm, she I'm had sex happy. with a porcupine guy. I, mean, I, I think it was alluded that he wasn't a porcupine guy and he was like cursed after they laid together. Anyway, maybe, um, maybe, but, uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe that's true for the show, but I'll say in the books, uh, when they meet for the very first time, he is already a porcupine boy. Uh, oh, way, so he's a pork. So he's like a hundred percent porcupine boy. Like, he was like cursed two before he like ever a met thing. her. Yes, he was cursed ah. before he ever met her. And the in the way in the books, the way he is able to uh, prevent her from being like ah, <laughs> like whoa, uh, <laughs> is he starts he like grabs like the book of poetry that she dropped out of complete fear, and he starts reading the poetry, and then he starts reciting poetry that he knows. So he's like, oh, I'm like an eloquent guy i just you know i just happen to be i happen to have a little prickly exterior but underneath i'm a really sweet boy <laughs> so that's yeah. that but you know what let's move on huh wrap up the episode um i think they do a good job here they there's a a flag that's being flown outside of sintra that you see um, Sintra's nice and well, and then you see it's a Nilf Guardian flag, and then Sintra's back on fire. So I we're back into one of our time frames. Um mm-hmm. and it's kind of creepy because this is how everything kind of ends. Or not ends, but but right before. So a cloaked man finds Kalenthi, cuts a rectangle out of her arm, and <sighs> eats it. He starts like seizing and Kay here's there. He's watching. Um, the the guy starts seizing, and a woman, um, who we find that who when she reveals her her head is the mage that was not supposed to go Nilfgaard because Yennefer is supposed to take it, but uh, she's there now, and she guts this dude and picks through his entrails, and somehow is like, oh yeah, okay, I know where Siri is. She's in the Brokolon Forest. Like, how the hell did that work? But magic it it works um k here's like ah crap uh one of the guys is like we can send ten thousand to twelve thousand troops right now my lord he's like shut up stupid armies are not the way into the brokolon forest um and we see that mauzak's alive he's getting tugged he falls on kalenthi's body and pulls a piece of clothing off of her um i think it's like a scarf and then we cut back to siri uh, she's having a dream. Uh, there's fighting, a lot of blood, oh, yeah. uh, close up of a man's ear getting sliced off. And then there's a shot of Kay here uh, raising his sword, but she wakes up before anything happens. Um, the leader of the Dryads asks Siri to drink the force water from the source, so the tree of Brokolon. Yeah. Um, and it kind of looks like. Potent. It looks. I mean, it looks magical. It kind of looks magical. I drink it. Um, yeah, I would. I'd drink, I drink it. it. I take a hit. Why not? I'd take a, I'd hit. Take a hit. Why not? Yeah, I'd do a guy. Exactly. I'd do a guy. Oh, hey. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> um, so Siri takes a drink and she's in like a weird, super trippy. She's on one hell of a trip. 
and she turns around and there's like a glowing tree that can talk. Um, and in well, an eerie I, I don't, voice, I don't know if it's, it calls out. I don't know if it itself is talking or somebody is observing her do that and is talking to her, but yeah. Well, you hear a eerie voice call out, "Who or what are you, child?" And then the then the episode ends. So do you want some uh, you want some context of that freaking tree, dude? Yeah, because we don't. I thought we were gonna get more of it. Uh, in episode five, and we we don't. That's it. This we is all don't. we get right here. So yes, and uh, me. you know what? Spoiler uh, for the rest of the show. You don't really. You, there's nothing more about this tree. Uh, yeah, that's and true. In case you were wondering, uh, okay. Before we get to the tree, very 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 quickly, the Haruspasi, which is the name of int- it's the name of the art of entrail reading, uh, which is performed by a Haruspex. That is uh, that's blood magic that's that's some pretty deep dark stuff uh it's not explained very well in any other place in the witcher universe so to see it here so uh as we'll say graphically pretty crazy pretty crazy that they kind of pulled that from like the deepest of all lore anyway back to the tree the tree is not anywhere else in the witcher lore this is the first time we've heard of a tree of this kind um, so there are theories abound about what this tree could mean. I will tell you mine first, Austin. I believe this okay. is but a symbol of Ciri's family tree. It is a literal representation of the metaphor of a family tree. Because Ciri is a child of the what is called the Elder Blood, as we'll come to learn. Um... She has a magical bloodline, like as as alluded to in this episode, with, oh, I thought, you know, your grandmother's gift skipped you like it skipped me. That whole thing. Um, this is expanded more uh, later on in Siri's life, but uh, for the purposes of right now, essentially, Siri has descended from a mixed bloodline of not just humans, but elves. Uh, the original elves that taught magic to humans. So that is where... Um, that whole story about Geralt at the edge of the world and, you know, where they mention, oh, elves knew magic. They taught it to humans and then the humans use it against them. And again, with Dara saying, hey, like, you know, your family like killed my family and, you know, they slaughtered us. It's this human versus elf dynamic. And it plays out um, apparently in her bloodline as well way back then. And as soon uh as recently, I guess, as her grandmother, you know, doing campaigns against the elves uh, and killing Dara's family. So, again, it's that vague cyclical nature of uh, of these different time periods, but where events basically repeat themselves. So, um, that's what's going on with the tree, in my opinion. Is it saying, hey, there's a bigger story to why you have magic. Online, a very popular theory is that this tree is supposed to represent the, uh, I don't know if it's a Polish myth. It's some sort of Scandinavian area myth, but, uh, the tree supposedly represents, uh, Yggdrasil, which is the tree that holds up the worlds and how all of them are connected. So you know how there's like the nine, uh, realms in Norse mythology. It's kind of like that. And, 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 Yggdrasil is a version of that story where a tree literally holds up the different worlds and uh, it's basically the way these worlds are connected. The reason why people think it's that uh, 
uh, is because Siri can innately, as we'll we'll learn later, uh, she's able to teleport, and she has got the power to manipulate uh, travel between worlds. So they think that this could be like the hub or the center of that power, and th- that's what this is going to be about moving forward. Is she'll visit this vision with the tree again, she'll get closer to it, she'll learn more about it, and that is literally how she'll travel between worlds. Um, maybe, maybe. I- I- I'm not. I'm not really quite sure yet. Uh, but it's it's pretty interesting that they just showed this and did not talk about it literally at all for the rest of this season. So this is very, very much a teaser. Yeah, maybe we'll get more later, but uh, in the interim, wow, that was awesome. Because I literally, I, I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then I, yeah, to your uh, to your point, there's literally no other mention or interaction with this yeah, tree. It's just like, yep, so, look at this. Okay, bye. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, cool, magical, mystical talking tree, but uh, that's, that's it. it. That that's the it's end. A little that's the tweet. It's a little itty bitty breadcrumb, and uh, it'll definitely. I mean, we'll definitely see it again. I I really hope so. But uh, on to episode five, bottled appetite. So I don't know if there's as as much detail that it needs to be uh, essentially broken down, but I think it's important to note some some certain dialogue points yeah. that uh, express the how much time has passed since our last uh, interaction with all these people, uh, for the most part. So we open up in an attic. Uh, there's ravens. There's a piece of flesh. There's a dude putting it into a bottle or a jar on a shelf Yikes. with other pieces of body. Um, including an ear, which we did see an ear getting cut off uh, in Series Vision. Um, he's checking himself out. He takes his clothes off. Boy, am I describing an episode of The Witcher or something else? <laughs> um, he's like, he's like mere goofing essentially. And K here pops out of the dark and is like, "Yo, sup?" Um, he's essentially been stalking him and this figure's like, Oh, you know, we like surprises. We like guests. So surprise guests are like a big, a big deal. Um, and essentially K here's like, well, I know what you are and I've been hunting, tracking you for a while. Um, and we find out that this thing is a Doppler, which can, uh, I guess, change its appearance. Um, and it refers to itself as we, you know, K here offers a job paying in gold, not silver, which I'm assuming silver is detrimental mm-hmm. um, to most monsters. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's accepts the job as we to assassinate someone on the behalf of the Empire of Nilfgaard. So um, we fast forward. Remember, we had they had Malzak captured. Um, he uh, he's dumped out of the wagon. He throws up and. The mage, I can't remember her name, but Frangilla she, Fran, so we'll just call her Frangella. Can yeah, we just yeah. call her Frangella? Yeah. So Frangella is like, how's it feel to be stripped of your powers? Essentially, I think he was being, he was fed something that allowed him not to use magic. Um, I believe, and, I believe he was either fed something or he was being restrained by dimeridium or maybe he was, maybe they forced him to eat dimeridium, but that's, that's essentially the anti-magic substance in this universe. Okay. I, that does sound familiar. So I think, yeah, yeah, I, yeah exactly. Um, he's essentially the doppelganger comes out or the doppelganger, <laughs> Doppel- the Doppler. I mean, well, I mean, I, 
I'm not same wrong. Neighborhood, same um, neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Same, yeah. So he comes out and K here unlocks Malzak and tells him to run after the Doppler complains that it's got to go from a nice looking young man to this fat old guy. Um, he's not essentially fat. commenting. He's just an older guy. He's not fat. Well, he's well, he's got little little tubs. He uh, he enjoys little, a anyway. comfortable lifestyle, and his body is beautiful. And I don't appreciate you uh, taking down dad bods. The dad bod nation is rising up to take down <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> Do you know dude, how many Andrew people nation are against versus you now, dad bod dude? nation? There are so many groups that. Uh, are calling for your head, dude. Including me. all I need is Andrew Nation, though, dude. That's it. That's okay. all I need. So a couple notes, because I know we're probably going to breeze through this episode a little faster than the last one, since it's not as complex. But Dopplers, um, historically and uh, specifically, are referred to in the lore as peaceful, uh, benevolent, and generally good-natured creatures. Uh, they are known to only truly be defensive uh, in the interests of remaining kind of under the radar and protecting themselves. But this guy is uh, not any of those things. Uh, he also appears to have uh, a bit of multiple personality disorder because he refers to himself as we. Uh, so he like not only does he collect, uh, you know other people's skin but he like lives as them and really uh i guess enjoys embodying them more so than an actual doppler would um this is a so this is a new character again he's been, he was invented for the show this is also the first time we've ever seen um a malevolent doppler uh and not just malevolent but a straight up like he's a bad dude um so it's kind of cool it's a good i think good twist on the whole formula that all Dopplers are good. And here's why I like this character so much. Besides for the performance of this character and the, the actor who plays Malzak does such a good job later on with, you know, kind of playing a guy, playing a guy. Um, I think this is a good change. And the reason I say that is I never really bought that Dopplers were universally all good all the way around because the power to look like anybody. And not just not just look like anybody, dude. But Dopplers, when they take on someone's uh, body, uh, they actually learn all of everything that they know. So it's not that they just look like them. They can speak like them and act like them perfectly because they understand who that person is on the inside, too. They're privy to their memories, the their fears, their, their little vocal tics. Uh, it's almost impossible to tell a Doppler apart from the real thing because of that reason. Well, actually, because you say that, it's a good transition into the next part when the Doppler chases down Malzak as he runs, and we see the shift, the change yeah, um, in person, and he literally, he says that. He says, every experience you've ever had, oh, they do every explain thought, that. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah is now in our head. Like, we are you, essentially. Um, and then he stabs Malzak very slowly. Ooh. And that's when Malzak's like, you don't know what she is, talking about Siri. Um, and we find out that uh, 
he's going to send her or send the Doppler to go get Siri out of the forest. So, right. who, um, <clears throat> crazy, but, crazy, uh, you, with, with the I mean, Doppler there. Like, couldn't you see people using that power for bad, like pretty easily? It just seems so tempting. Oh yeah, absolutely. As a Doppler. No, a hundred percent. So I totally buy it. Totally buy it that there would be a Doppler like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. On to uh, yeah. Yennefer. Yeah, so we're back with Yennefer in a room of hourglasses. She's talking to Hamet, another sorcerer yeah. who we've come to find that he's not in the Brotherhood anymore. He's like Yennefer. They don't fall. They're not governed by rules. Um, so she's there because she's trying to get treated to have kids, essentially. Um, and he, she's paying her. So I think for her, she's trying to make money. So she's in the city of, uh, Rind, I believe. Rind? I think it's Rindy. I think it's Rind or Rindy. Rind. We'll call it Rind, maybe. Rind, Um, sure. And she's essentially, she's just doing little odds and end jobs to, uh, make money. Um, and I think it's especially no to the couple she's talking to because essentially the guy's got ED and Brutal. he gets magic Viagra that turns <laughs> off with a safe word. Like I, I, uh, I find it Im- immensely important to notate all of that. There's a safe yeah. word for magic Viagra for ED in this time. Great. I love <clears> it. <throat> she's a, she's a family doctor. She's a general practitioner. She's just, yeah, again, I, I hate to bring up med school again, but this is the kind of work you could Dude, be doing med- for people. If you guys go to med school. <laughs> exactly exactly but uh, something you wouldn't have to deal with is a snobby fat mayor coming in saying that oh you're casting spells well that's uh gonna cost uh magic tax so um oh, yeah. and i just think it's it's super important to note that yes, uh yes, yes. oh yeah the <laughs> the dude <laughs> is the pitching a massive tent in his pants. Oh my it's god! How did they film important. this scene a million times over? Because I would be laughing so hard just at the prop. Did, I mean, it's Ron <laughs> Burgundy levels of just massive dickage in the pants, and it's straight uh, hey, good for out. that guy, man. Yeah, it's dude, straight out. Viagra. It's not even like he's not even dressing left or right. It's just straight forward. Just like ah! it is a loud erection. It hey, he's ready to direction. go. He's yeah, ready he's to like, go and have fun time. He's like, which uh, is just so funny. Can I get out of this situation or like what's going on? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, that's the ultimate Cialis commercial right there. Love yeah. It. So uh, we are back in Brokolon real quick. Um, Siri is watching the Dryads. Uh, I believe. They're deciding to let her stay. Um, Sean, they say, uh, you know, talking whether or not she should stay because she lied and, she, uh, you know, she was scared, blah, blah, blah. So Sean Kyan is, must be the tree, I guess, because they say Sean Kyan is the only one that knows who she is. Um, and we know that the tree is the one that knew who she was. So maybe that yeah. uh, is the... You know the thing. I I don't know, but uh, that's that is, uh, they, they're discussing that. There's not a lot of information about that in any of the lore sets, but uh, this is essentially the magic that powers the Brookalon tropical climate. 
it's what powers the water. It is what they revere as uh, the magic of what you know what makes the Dryad civilization the Dryad civilization. And uh, Inya or Aini, however you want to pronounce it, uh, her her status in the books is pretty much the high like the high priestess and closest connection to that magical force. Uh, a bit different in the show. A bit. Di- we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah. Um. And and the dry leader is saying Siri can be molded to stay. She wants to stay. They're disagreeing. But before anything can be discussed further, um, two Nilf guardian heads are brought in. Uh, spies essentially. So it's only a matter of time before Nilfgaard arrives at their doorstep. Um. And. Uh, Essentially, Siri is allowed to stay, and that's that is the piece that we get with Siri. We're back to to Geralt. Uh, must be the outskirts of Rind. Um, he's fishing, or apparently it looks like he's fishing. Netting. Um, yeah. And he looks not great. Uh, he looks a little tired, a little, little bit sleepy. And um, Yaskier comes up, and it. This is important. You know, we we said. Listening to the dialogue at, at time references and how much time has passed, but uh, essentially, Geralt reveals he's looking for a djinn, which is a genie, um, because he can't sleep. Um, and Yaskier, there, he's talking with Yaskier, and he's like, "It's like Yaskier, what's it been? Months? Years? A decade? Like, th- there has been a long amount of time since the events of Sintra have happened." Yeah. Um, Which it's not even clear of how long it's it's been. Passage but, uh, of time. Passage of time is always odd between Geralt and his friends. Uh, in the books and now in the show, uh, particularly his close friends like Dandelion slash Yaskier, uh, even though he's a normal human, um, there's some theories about why that is. Uh, generally, it's because. Uh, Andres Sapkowski likes the character and he wants him around Geralt, so he just doesn't really uh, think about it. But uh, a theory is that because Geralt is so tied to destiny and because he himself is a magic wielder, perhaps the proximity that they share all the time has rubbed off on Yaskier, and that's why he ages slower than a normal human would. Uh, but likely it's just because Andres Sapkowski wanted to include uh, Dandelion slash Yaskier alongside Geralt, so... He just didn't worry about it, but yeah, that's what it, it, it is. It is an odd, odd thing time for them. Yeah. Um, and so Gareth's not having any of his shit really. Um, explains why he's looking for the gin, like I said, and uh, they're having a, a bit of a back and forth, and Gareth insults him by saying his singing's like ordering a pie and finding it has no filling in it. <laughs> <laughs> And Yaskier essentially responds by saying, you need a nap, <laughs> saying he's cranky because he's tired, which is hilarious. Um, Yask- or Geralt finds th- what he's looking for. It's the uh, the djinn um, in a, essentially like a, a uh, jar of it, some kind. Um, yeah. Amphora, I think is what it's called. Yeah. It's got a wizard seal on it. Um, and Yaskier grabs it, demanding an apology they get in a scuffle, and I'm surprised Geralt didn't just like punch him in the face. But uh, the 
the jar is popped open and then smashed and the gin is freed. Um, and it's important to note that a cut appears on Geralt because he wants uh, Yaskir to basically shut up and stop talking. And that's what happens. His throat swells up immensely. Um, and it's very concerning. Geralt rushes him to a nearby camp where they meet, uh, Chiri Chiridin? Uh, boy. Chiridin. Chiridin. Yep. He's an elf healer. Um, and he essentially says he can't do anything because it's a magical, uh, wound. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to go to the mage in the nearby town, but be warned, uh, she's she, or he it, it's the mage is dangerous uh cunning and, and uh you know not to be uh, essentially messed with so um it, it's uh it's kind of a warning and Geralt um, automatically assumes it's a he so he's like yeah thanks for the info hurry up i gotta take him there because we Geralt has a lot of honor and uh will not let yaskir die especially because it's his fault Right. Um, in Rind, we're back with Yennefer, uh, and Tessaia is actually with her talking. They haven't seen each other for a really long time, uh, years apparently, not since you, quote, maneuvered your way onto uh, Adern's court, which she ended up leaving. So the king she served is dead, replaced by another one, and Tessaia calls her out and says, you're looking for an infertility cure. There is none. Um and uh essentially you know offers her a spot back at the academy i'll call it artuza um to help shape young minds but uh yennefer essentially refuses um and tissaia portals away very frustrated Mm -hmm. so there's just that interaction because we're we're understanding that yennefer is hell-bent on finding some sort of cure essentially saying just because you don't know doesn't mean there isn't an answer out there the world is a big place um Simultaneously, Geralt rides into the town uh, to the mayor's house with Yaskir half alive. And <laughs> super funny, there's a guard outside. It's like the mayor's henchman. He's like, yeah, you can't uh, come in here without coin. Um, you know, money uh, money talks. And Geralt pulls out his coin purse. Uh, looks like he's about to give it to him and quite literally does give it to him with a swift uh, hit to the face, knocks him out cold, which is just excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, and he rides in and he takes Yaskir in to the mayor's house and sits him down and the mayor is naked. (laughs) And he's looking for apple juice for, uh, the mage. And then he falls asleep and, Geralt's like, I, I don't get it. Do I, do I, does he want me to take the apple juice up to the mage or what? And Yaskir, and even though he's suffering, he's like, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> they go up and it is a, uh, just a massive sex fest going on. I um, thought it was an illusion at first. I'll say that. I thought she was just like, essentially watching a smut film <laughs> made of magic boy it is there's a lot happening um yeah yeah Geralt just walks up and he's like hey i need your help to heal my friend um i have you know, apple juice he got fucked up he got yeah i, I brought you apple juice <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Um, <laughs> and essentially, he gets Yennefer to agree to help him out. Um, essentially, especially because he mentions that a djinn was the cause of the, uh, you know, the bard's injuries and asks how many wishes the bard used. And he said two. So there's still one. Um, so he's, you know, Yennefer's like, all right, I'll help. And she turns the spell off and everyone goes from making passionate love to OMG. What am I doing? How did I get here? This is so embarrassing, which is just really funny. And me. something we should point um, out, uh, the reason he says two is because right when they fish it out of the water, I don't think we mentioned this, Austin, uh, Danny Lyon immediately goes, I wish my rival was dead. And then uh, I also wish, I forget what the second one was, but he fires two off immediately before uh, he's, his uh, his throat swells up. Yes. And so the, the appearance that Yaskir is truly the wish holder is uh is quite apparent but uh, again yeah. we just make a note of the scar on Geralt's arm from uh right. it looks like the jar or is it and may but, i also uh, say may i also say uh the orgy and generally a lot of things that happen in this episode uh they're a bit different from the from the actual the story uh the last wish is the short story and the book the last wish uh so there's there's a there's a couple new things. There's also less characters in this story, which I actually think helps quite a bit. Uh, in the full story, there's a there's a priest, there's an apothecary, uh, there's it's just a lot. There, there's a lot going on, and uh, I actually I actually kind of enjoy the more streamlined version in this uh, rendition, right up until the very end, which we will get to in a bit. We'll bookmark that, but yeah, please continue. <laughs> yeah. So smorgasbord at the end with characters. Um, But, and it's important to note, maybe a slight bookmark on the apothecary and priest. Uh, I don't know if they're true correlated in this, but we'll get there in a second. It's not a big deal, but there is mention of some other characters that aren't super, super important. Anyway, Yennefer agrees to help uh, Yaskir, especially with the djinn, um, seeing the seal. Uh, She heals Yaskir. Um, She walks down to Geralt and essentially says, you smell gross. I can tell the exact breed, color, and everything about your horse because I can smell it on you. And this is where we get the good tub scene. Lavish tubs. Uh, Oh boy. This is it right here. This is where we get Henry Cavill and we get half of them, essentially. The good half, right? Is that the good half? I don't know. I guess it, it depends, depends on who it you are as a on, listener. Uh, on the <laughs> your tastes are, I guess. Yeah, it, it, whoever you are as a listener, maybe you got the good half. Maybe the good half is submerged. But uh, this is the tub scene um, where he's propped up and living the Geralt life, man. Living large. Yep. Uh, he's talking with Yennefer, and they're they're having a little bit of back and forth talk, and. Uh, Yennefer gets into the tub with him, and I think it's funny because knowing the relationship that they have in The Witcher 3 uh, and seeing it blossom for the first time, you can see that it, you know, uh, excuse me, essentially continues with how it's always been Mm -hmm. with these two. So uh, really, really, really enjoy that. Um, Because, I mean, Yennefer is taking her clothes off, and Geralt's trying to peek in the mirror, and she makes it go to a different angle so he can't see and they go back to back so he can't look upon her essentially 
And they just have really like a little bit of a conversational fencing match mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. But uh, essentially, Geralt's like, okay, I'm wondering if I agreed to indentured servitude by accident for saving Yaskier. And uh, we come to find out at the end that Yennefer isn't asking Geralt of anything, that his company and his conversation is enough to pay. And Geralt doesn't like that answer. He gets out of the tub immediately, dresses in too tight of clothes, as he mentions to Yennefer. (laughs) Um, Well, not the clothes part, but uh, the... Her answer. Part where... Yeah, her answer. Um, But he is goes to ask her and at make sure you know is he gonna be okay and she's like oh do you doubt me and he's like no just your intentions but i said some mean things to him and i don't want it to be the last thing that he remembers but uh yennefer walks over and grabs the seal of the gin jar and then he notices it on the floor and he essentially is like you're you want the gin for yourself. This is what this is. Um, but uh, we, you know, we know that she wants to maybe use this as the cure for her infertility. Um, Geralt has no idea what's happening, but yeah. knows that it's it's not good. So, but before he can really do anything, he's like seduced in a way like it's a mixture of lilac and something else that finally gets him and yennefer kind of states it was gooseberries gooseberries that's her set i got 50 percent of it right dude 50 percent of it right okay um yeah but basically and uh just makes him go to sleep or kind of so we think he wakes up Geralt does uh with the elf healer uh Kiridin. Uh they're in jail together. Um and this is this is kind of funny. The elf is talking about a rampage that he went on and he's like, "Oh great. I have no idea what happened." And we get the lowdown. So this is where the small bookmark comes in. Uh he kicked right. the pawnbroker in his balls. And then Classic. he dragged an apothecary into the street and thrashed his ass with a belt. So he spanked the apothecary with a belt and, uh, yeah, kicked the pawnbroker in the balls. And they threw uh, uh, Kiridin in there because he's an elf, essentially. <laughs> he was trying to help, but they're like, no, you're involved. Uh, because of this, uh, the two people are also voting on a council that want to banish Yennefer, but also... Uh, essentially voting to kill Geralt. So, uh, yep. yeah, <laughs> tough luck for him. Um, Classic Geralt. So the jailer, the Gerald, or the jailer, Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> the Gerald-er. The Gerald-er. Um, the jailer starts beating Geralt up because, lo and behold, it's the guy that he hit in the face with the coin purse. Um, he's beating him up, and... Essentially, before he he, he kind of kills him, he's like, "What do you want?" And Geralt's like, "I want you to burst, you son of a whore." Say no more. His head quite literally explodes, and Geralt looks at his arm and he sees. No, he doesn't look at his arm, but he's like, "Uh, what now?" And I think Kieran knows. He's like, "Well, it looks like you're actually the one with the wishes." 
uh, and not He's like, oh, uh, the bard. Boy. So, yeah. So we're back at the mayor's house, and Yennefer's trying to summon the Jin, um, you, you know, using her body for the vessel. Yaskir wakes up, and Yennefer's imploring him to make, uh, you know, her last wish or his last wish. And essentially he, he's not, obviously he's not the one. And, uh, as Yennefer's trying to control this thing, uh, Yaskier is able to escape and Geralt runs into him. And, uh, uh, Yaskier's like, you know, I was having a dream. It was a great dream. And there was a really beautiful woman and we were having a good time. And then the not so good dream was there's a crazy woman that was trying to kill me. And, and it's really funny because Yennefer's talking to Yaskir before he escapes. And um, <laughs> he she's like questioning how he's singing. And he, you know, she's like, why don't you sing? Um you know, some chords and make sure it's okay. So he starts singing, toss a coin to your witcher, you know, toss a coin to your witcher. Mm -hmm. Oh, Valley of penis, because Yennefer grabs him in the dick. So it's just so funny that he classic move, (laughs) classic Yaskier dude. But, uh, so he's having a bad time, but escapes. And, um, he's like, Leave the very sexy but insane witch to her inevitable demise. Yep. But Geralt's like, no, I can't. He, She saved you. I have to save her because she will certainly die if she goes through with this. Yeah. Um, she, tries, she tries to harness the djinn. Yeah. And I I mean, I don't really know what, what how that even is going to work, but it's not going well when Geralt gets up there. She's like twisting and turning. Her body looks like it's about to break. Um, Geralt reveals that he's the last wish holder and he's trying to help Yennefer. Yennefer obviously doesn't want help. Um, and Geralt, or the the Yin, the Jin essentially is like, you know, what do you want? Power, gold not being a witcher anymore. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, essentially before the gin takes over, uh, Yennefer's asking what Geralt wants. And he's like, well, what do you want? And she's like, I want everything. Essentially. I want unlimited power. A la Palpatine style baby. But, yeah. uh, yeah. And then we get that bit. So Geralt ends up making a wish, but we don't hear it. And you can't read his lips either, which is well done. Um, Yep. But, you know, whatever it is, the djinn leaves and there's a cloud forming over the top story of the house where they were at. Uh, Yaskir and Kiridin are down and they're like, oh, shit, they're probably definitely going to die up there. Dang it, Geralt, why did you have to go out like that? Um, but uh, everything goes away. The djinn goes. But uh, right when that happens the house collapses or the roof does. So Yaskier and Kira didn't think they're dead, but Yennefer actually portaled them into the sex room. I'm going to call it where the orgy sure, was. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and she's actually really mad because Geralt's like, Yennefer, it's Geralt. Do you remember me? And she's like, of course I do. You asshole. I had it under control. 
I was so close and and Geralt's like, uh, bitch, please, you ain't have shit. And then they they start staring at each other and lo and behold, sex. The sex. They lo do the and sex. Behold, sex. I couldn't have said it better yeah, myself, and, Austin. <laughs> and uh you know, Kiridin's walking around looking for them and uh they and Yaskir and Kiridin both find them doing doing the big nasty. Um and they're and like, oh yeah. Yaskir's like, oh, okay. Here we big are. Oop. We did it. Big, big, big deal. So a couple story notes before we wrap. Uh is this the last thing that happens in this episode? Uh, no, no. Uh, one not. more thing before we wrap. Before we wrap up the last wish portion, uh, this uh, the very the climax of this story is where it starts to kind of differ from the book quite a bit. Uh, I suspect it's mostly because again of budgetary special effects uh, budget and you know timing. But uh, in the book, it's a little different. So she's not possessed by the djinn, even though djinns do have voices and can talk. Um, she's merely just trying to capture it, but it's proving too powerful for her. And Danny Lyon is actually, she doesn't even let him escape. She just portals him out as soon as he's, he's healed. And she actually portals him, uh, into the square where Geralt's about to be, uh, executed. And he's able to be like, like all this stuff is happening. So, uh, that, that's how it checks out in the book. But regardless, Geralt does eventually run to, uh, the inn where Yennefer is tr- attempting to capture, uh, the gin, and um, it's not just a little cloud above the house or above the inn. It's the entire town is basically being ripped apart by a tempest, and the gin is not just moving around the inn, but it's moving around from the tops of several buildings. It's basically a tornado scene in the book, um, and it's beautifully written. And I highly recommend uh, reading the full story in the book, but. Just like uh, they portrayed a Netflix series, you don't hear uh, what Geralt says. The only difference is that in the book, Geralt says it to himself. Yennefer is not privy to that information. Uh, And, of course, in the Netflix series, she is. Uh, And she's touched by it. Uh, She's surprised. She's taken aback. Um, I... I kind of well, like... I think she's more taken aback by yeah. the fact that he saved her because we don't know what he wished for. He doesn't reveal it to right. Yennefer either. He essentially, she's like, "Well, what did you wish for?" After they do the 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 nasty, and he he fall, you know, cla- classic man falls asleep right after the right after. So uh, we actually don't get oh, the. I thought, uh, I thought she did the wish. Oh man, I'm confused. Next, I thought she did here. Next episode. Show. We no, we do get revealed what Geralt did wish for, but it happens in the next episode. You'll have to you'll have to tune into our next episode of Dweeb Dive to to figure out what See, it was. It's the it's the whole book thing confusing me again. But uh, yeah, the end the end of the episode. We're back in uh we're at, we're back in Brokilon. We are in Brokilon, and this is where Doppler Malzak arrives. Uh, Siri's so happy. She's learning how to tie an arrowhead because she's been accepted by the Dryads. And uh, she's about to live a good life, and so is our our boy Dara. But uh, lo and behold, Malzak arrives and is like, "I need to take you to your destiny, aka Geralt." Uh, 
aka K here because I'm not Malzak. Um, and this is where Dara gets screwed over because Siri's like, oh, this is my oldest friend. You know, she talks to the dry leader and says, you know, th- perhaps this is my destiny. Like you were kind of saying. And, and she's like, oh, Dara, you can come with me because you're like my family now ruining his life forever because he would have lived the good life. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, do you really want to be a, a, a sex slave? I mean, like what? I don't know how else to say it. Are you a sex slave if you enjoy your life? I guess not. I guess then you're in heaven. But hard okay. to tell. And, you know, I don't know what would happen to him. But, again, judging by the fate of Frexinet in the books, I mean, he definitely would have been a stud. Like a, lit- like a literal stud uh, for making babies. I don't know. That sounds like a pretty crummy life after about five weeks i think you'd be like oh wait this is a huge mistake (laughs) see you know i don't know it'd be one thing if you were like caged up and you only got to interact with meaningless sex that's not that's not it's not it's not a one thing that is literally what it is well you don't he's not is this other guy caged up or does he get to like live his life he literally oh. lives in a little well, like, cocoon. Like Dara is a prisoner. He lives like in a little leaf Let's... cocoon, and they like let him out to have to 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 make babies. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay, see that wouldn't be that wouldn't be great, but Dara is not in any cocoon. It's true. He was. It looks like he's about to just be integrated. It's true. You know, it does. It so... does seem like he was about to be integrated as a full member. But again, that doesn't really work with the existing lore, which is that is an all women society. The dryads are all women. So I don't know. Well, it works out because yeah. uh, he leaves with Siri. Um, and we end the episode where the dryad leader is saying, make sure you ask the right questions. You know, you control your destiny. Nobody else does. Um, and it's almost like a bit of foreshadowing of asking the correct questions at the correct moments because we know Malzak is not Malzak. He's the Doppler and... Our, our episode ends with the camera lingering on his face with a very emotionless yet grim expression, like a, a smirk almost. And, uh, yeah. and and that's it, and that and it ends. So, whew, Freaky. Wow. That actor, and we'll get into it next episode, uh, so tune in, but man, he had to play so many different types of emotions as normal Mausak and then he has to play a guy playing Mausak that's just he does he does a great that's, job he he is one of the better performers um of this cast in my opinion essentially he is the dude playing the dude disguised as another, another dude, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's giving yeah he's giving Robert Downey Jr's performance in a uh, Tropic Thunder a run Tropic for Thunder money. yeah yeah Exactly. But, Thank you uh, once again for comparing it to an, an, another unrelated piece of media. Um, this is you're now very Tropic. Welcome. This is now uh, Destiny's Child in Shrek featuring Tropic Thunder. So <laughs> good stuff, Austin. You've officially ruined everything I like about this show. I've made it, but I mean, absolutely crazy. Considering, okay, you know, just looking at this episode four had so much going on. Yeah. Episode five helps clarify it a little bit, but I mean, this is where you're literally just confused. 
You don't know who or what the time space continuum is. Um, I mean, more so episode four than five, but a lot, a lot to unpack and digest. And I honestly, um, I know it's very biased, but listening to the episode and rewatching will probably help clarify the most because I rewatched the episodes, obviously for recapping purposes, but it also just, I really enjoy the show and it helped me find things that I, I had missed. And also just rewatching the entire series, like uh, full test, young full test and old full test. I didn't notice that the first time, which is kind of a big piece in the space time continuum theory, but that, you know, that's just one of the things. So uh, certainly hoping and help, uh, you know, hoping that, these breakdowns help, but also encourage, you know, rewatch it, rewatch the episodes. And if you want to continue to find more information, read the books, like Connor's saying, yeah, I haven't read the books and I don't know if I can do it because I'm super weird. And when I watch something, I form, uh, you know, the picture and the characters, uh, from the show versus reading the book leaves it more open. So I don't know if I will, but if you're more interested, I would highly encourage you to, to read the books as as Connor has alluded to because of all of the, uh, the great detail that's in there. You should. You absolutely. A, there's more stories that just aren't told from the books it's adapted from. B, there's more context. C, there's more characters. And D, uh, you're a douchebag if you don't read the books. So <laughs> read them. <laughs> wow. They're great. They're so good. Woo. Wow. Yeah, get destroyed. Well, there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Nation is in shambles. <laughs> Dude, Andrew Nation can never die ever. We are endearing to Ellie Nation. So wow. there you go. Okay. Well said, I think. Not really though, but <coughs> excuse me. Shall we wrap this up? Yeah. Uh I mean that that's it. That concludes the the dive. We're, we're, we're gonna go ahead and surface again. Uh real quick note for us. Past four hundred total downloads. Um, yeah. for our five episodes, Woo! which is absolutely crazy. Want to th- say thank you to everyone that has tuned in. Um, big shout outs to New Zealand, Australia, France, Switzerland, and Qatar, uh, for our international listens. Yeah, you guys are crazy. Not a big crowd, but still, uh, certainly a crowd. Um, and then everybody here at home in the US of A, thank you so much for listening. And, uh, I think. I, I speak for Connor and I both when I say we're very shocked and surprised at uh, 400 downloads. I have yep. no idea if that's good or not, but I, you know, for five episodes, Dude, one download, 400 downloads, one download and, is good for me. Like that's that, yeah. the fact that more than one person has tuned in is uh, astounding. So thank you so much guys. Yeah. And, and I would definitely say the last thing, I don't want to ramble too much, but um, our software that we have allows us to kind of see how people listen sometimes. And I think it's really cool. Smart home and smart TV are a couple of them. There's like maybe, uh, eight total downloads that way, but wait, really? You know? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Um, I didn't know we could do that. A and B smart TV. Really? Yeah. And it just, in my mind, it's someone coming home or, or something like that and saying, Alexa, uh, play Dweeb Dive on Spotify or on iTunes and, it, you know, kicks us off. Whoa. So that's just really cool to me in my mind. I don't know if it's Whoa. actually like that, but it, honestly, just thank you so much for for everything, um, yeah. everyone out there. Um, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Dweeb Dive. Our Facebook page is up. 
at Dweeb Dive. Instagram's up at Dweeb Dive. There's going to be some awesome content coming there from Connor and uh, just interact. Leave reviews. Tell us if there's something that you want to hear about this series that we may be missing. Um, ask questions. Uh, I think that's our next step is just some interaction with listeners. So if you're listening, if you made it to this point of the podcast, again, I'll say it. Leave us reviews. Let us know what we can do better. And we will certainly cater to you guys as an audience. So thank you again. Uh, Connor, any last words before we end the dive? Oh, uh, no. That You said it, pal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's just end right there, huh? How about that? All right. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we will catch you guys on our next dive of The Witcher. Bye-bye! Thanks for listening to this episode of Dweeb Dive. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please like and give us a follow so we can continue diving into your favorite topics. There's been a lot of hot takes. There's been a lot of claims, a lot of references to the deep lore. If you have a question, a comment, feedback, you're angry with me for something perhaps inaccurate I said, which is very likely, please do not hesitate to reach out on our accounts and ask us the big questions. We would love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.